a Highline podcast. Hello, welcome to the Whiskey Bench. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. Kat, how are you doing on this Friday evening? <laughs> I'm glad it's Friday. Me too. <laughs> I am working tomorrow, but it's fun kind of work, so. Oh, what what projects do you uh, have? Tomorrow is just go help a friend hmm. with uh, building a mezzanine. So that'll be nice. A mezzanine. Basically like a elevated storage area okay. inside of his um, hangar. So, oh, is this the guy with the yeah, pool property? Yeah, exactly. So we're gonna go help him for a day, and does, least least we could do. Does he have like a landing strip on that property? He does. He yeah, has a grass okay. one that like comes at cusses cusses. It cro- <laughs> it crosses the driveway. I was trying to say cuts across, cuts Cut, across cusses. the yeah cusses the driveway, <laughs> um, which is pretty neat and it's kind of bumpy when we when we go out like and you're landing. It's like it. it it's a grass field with like bumps and you're like, boink, boink, and you're bouncing up and down. Yeah. And... I was going to ask, have you, so it sounds like you have yeah. been flown around. Oh yeah. That's fun. That's super fun. Yeah. Get a seal. You know, he's like, oh, let's go to the crazies and then the oh. castles. And then we fly over like the, the snowies and then go down to like to the Missouri and back. And I would love that. it's really cool. That's it's very fun. cool. You just scope everything out. So yeah, we're going to go help him because he's a buddy. Nice. And uh, probably do a little cooking and shooting out of his place that sounds it's, fun it's gonna be a party day work yeah. day but a party day yeah that sounds good so, this is this is good but yeah uh same old last time we were in i'm still painting my little heart out i'm up in big sky nice which is a blast okay lots of driving lots of driving but at least the roads are clear now yeah totally and we just have the best clients in the world so it's like you yeah. can't not want to be there nice very nice and it's Lent. It is Lent, in as best as I've been able to. It's really hard, especially when the clients that I have are like food pushers, right? And it's like you don't want to just be like, no, because of Lent. But like when they did buy us lunch, because like before I was eating like meat and all sorts of stuff. I started like ordering like vegan stuff, and I was like, do they have a vegan option? They're like, what is like? like who are you? Like, <laughs> did you just like become vegan? <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, like here, I've never done Lent before, and it's like it's Lent now, and so I'm gonna try. And now it's just like, today she made vegan cookies. So yeah, <laughs> that's sweet. I'm like Jonna, you're too nice. <laughs> uh, they're just lovely. So it's nice. been it's been fun. We're gonna be there a few more weeks, and I think they want us to do more stuff. So we're gonna be like, we are booked. Like, we'll come back. But they're like, can you do this? Can you do this? We uh, mentioned that we might want. Um, one of these other guys we know to come do a little bit of carpentry, like put some baseboard and stuff. And they're like, well, can you guys do that? And we're like, oh yeah, yeah. He's like, just, we just like really like you guys. And we're like, no, the other guy's <laughs> awesome too. Like, yeah. <laughs> you never have a shortage of jobs. No, never. You know? yeah. So that's a good thing. Right on. How'd your week go? Uh, my week was fine. I don't know. Just a, just a week? It was fine. Yeah, right. it was okay. Um, Really looking forward to warm weather oh, yes. this weekend. Super stoked about that. Life is emerging in my garden. The tulips are coming up. Lovely. And that'll be the daffodils and the roses and the irises. 
I'm excited. Dang. And I already am seeing in, um, well, I put a ton of money into the garden and work into the garden last year. So like my whole front yard garden is just going to emerge, which will be fun. Like I don't need to do anything. I can just, I don't have to invest more money into it. Yes. Um, and then my herb garden is already, I'm already seeing life come back and some stuff that I totally did not expect to come back in my main veggie bed. Got some cilantro. Whoa. Okay. I was like, whoa, eager beaver just cropping up. I thought they just like, like mid-March. Died you got I, more unless you were able to sprout them nope. like inside. Whoa. I didn't do anything. Well, natural. I planted it last year and I was like, well, you're going to die. Yeah. And then it didn't. So <laughs> it's kind of fun. I hope it's super tasty. It's going to be hearty, extra hearty. It'll cilantro. be like thick cilantro. Yeah. yeah. One thing I did, I did do, uh, I went out and got uh, dinner and drinks with a coworker last night and I went to Tanglewood. Oh, I haven't been yet. I don't recommend it. No, no. Good cocktails. That's what I heard. Good drinks. I also have, they, they have good happy hour, but. Yeah, we missed happy hour, oh. but we, uh, I did have a Mezcal Negroni, mm. which we should make. Yes. It's delicious. That sounds amazing. I had my coworker had it and she was like, that is the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> like, that's really mean and hurtful. It's smoky <laughs> and bitter, but it's really good. Um, so that was, that was quite nice actually. And they like, they did it right. You can, you can, I feel like you can judge a bar by the way they make a Negroni. Oh yeah. Um, so that was on point, but then I got a Faro risotto. Mm-hmm. Thinking. Anyway. Yeah. Like that sounds fun and neat. Uh, it'd be just like a simple, creamy, dreamy, delicious yeah. little thing. It's just like a plate of farro. It was not risotto. It was not. Oh. Risotto. It was like oh. farro cooked in stock. And it's like, that's not fully, that's not a risotto. And then, yeah. and then uh, it had like whole mushrooms that were like like tough because they were barely they weren't cooked long enough uh and then literally and then same goes for like whole carrots that were like warm but like rock hard and then burnt to shit broccolini i was like what is this and it was almost 30 dollars oh so i was i was pretty frustrated i was like this is kind of a joke like the menu looks really nice and it's like leather bound and they put a ton of money into like nice light fixtures and stuff but I was really unimpressed right. with the You're food. Like, hey, can you bring my plate back? And like, I think you forgot to mix the risotto together. Yeah, I was like, what is this? It was like, I was, yeah, it was bizarre. But it wasn't, it wasn't marketed as like deconstructed risotto. No, no. And even if it was, it's like cook the vegetables. Uh, <laughs> yes. The whole wow. thing was kind of lame. That's a bummer. I don't know. I feel like it's one of those like corporate restaurants mm-hmm. that's like trying to be like bougie farm to table, but it's not. You know, the thing is, is like, I have my staples in Bozeman. Yeah. And they don't disappoint. Yeah, totally. So it's like, well, who the hell wants to drive? It's not even central. I hate that place. Oh, it's true. It's no. really close to me. But. It's close to you. Yeah, you're right. It's close to you. It's not close to me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, you have all the best restaurants right next to you. I know. Yeah, so. I know. Well, it's coworkers pick. Yeah, there you go. They won't pick again. Yeah. I'll pick She lost time. picking privileges, <laughs> yeah. so it's fine. Like, look, look. No more. You don't get a pick. Yeah. Let someone with taste to decide. <laughs> I can't. Oh, God. I hope you don't listen. I if probably you do, I sound you. obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be. It's just hard. I am going home for Easter, though. Um, awesome. Yeah. I am actually quite excited. Um, and I'm just going to try to eat as much as I can while I'm there. 
So hallelujah. Yeah. It'd be good. Well, that'll be good. Take take a step back from Bozeman. Yeah. See some family reset. See a ton of family. Yes. Cousins I haven't seen in years. Oh, They're babies fun. that I've never met. So yeah, it's gonna be it'll oh, be nice. That's gonna be lovely. Yeah, it'll be very good. And my aunt's Easter dinner is my favorite meal of all time. Chili Reno. This like secret homemade chili reno that she doesn't give anyone the recipe. That's to. like weird Easter food. But I know, amazing. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. like she's like this cool little like mountain hippie chick that's also a Republican that like makes chili reno. <laughs> Why doesn't she live in? Bozeman? I don't know. She's really great because <laughs> she has like an amazing little oasis in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm like a, you know, slow cooked delicious ham and. Does she need like a full time carpenter or? I mean, my dad's kind of their full time, ah. and he could use an assistant. Oh, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> you go work for Still my dad. in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh see, that'll be good. So, yeah. Good things on the horizon. Yeah, I see that. That's where I'm at. Like, the, it's been a n- long enough this year. Like, things have been grinding. It's mm-hmm. like getting a little worn out, getting a little tuckered. Yeah. yeah. A little dissatisfied yeah. with some things. And it's like, you need that reset. You're starving yourself over Lent. That'll yeah. be a reset. Honestly, I've been eating <laughs> so good. I'm kidding, like, I'm <laughs> but there are some things where you're like, oh, I look good, but I guess I'll wait. You should have like, what's what's the uh, Orthodox tradition? Once, like, is Easter just like the big feast? Easter's where it's like over, the big or? thing. I've never experienced an Orthodox Easter yet, but like, you go to services like on Saturday, mm-hmm. like late at night, and they do like services and like all this cool like traditional ritual stuff until midnight oh wow okay. and then i'm pretty sure they just feast and party and play music and eat until like 8 a.m like all night like all night whoa and then on sunday you like have like a i think a morning service and then everyone just like goes sleeps the whole day holy crap it sounds super fun that's wild yeah, i was like i want to do this that'll be interesting yeah so it'll be my first pasca Man, I don't know if I could hang with that. I'd be like tired. <laughs> and I think they drink. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so everyone's just like partying right. and drinking at the church, and that sounds fun. Celebrating Jesus <laughs> sounds awesome. Oh, nice. Speaking of celebrating Jesus, the cocktail we're drinking tonight is coming from my Drinking with the Saints book. Nice. And uh, this is a week after uh, St. Patrick's Day, but this drink right. is. In honor of St. Patrick's Day. Oh, right. So yeah. we were drinking the Irish Ale cocktail, which is two ounces of Irish whiskey, three ounces of ginger beer, and it says juice from three lime wedges. Just put a whole stinking lime in it. Yeah, lime's like, good. Put a whole lime in it. Mm-hmm. Just fill up a tall glass, like a Collins glass with ice. You just pour all the ingredients in and stir. It's like super easy. It's kind of like a Moscow mule. It's a little bit like that. Yeah, what do they call? What's the one they do with Irish whiskey? There's like a mule for every. Yeah, exactly. Liquor, exactly. An Irish mule, probably. Yeah, is yeah. What it so is. This, maybe that's just it. But yeah. Here's I'm just gonna read you this first little little section of the book because it's kind of funny. It said God made whiskey. The joke goes to keep the Irish from ruling the world. <laughs> and it's not a bad trade. <laughs> it's not a bad trade. Yeah, they're fine with it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then it has a nice little story about St. Patrick's, but yeah. Anyway, shout out to the Irish for inventing whiskey. There it is. I think. Hey, I'm Irish. Do you have any Irish in you? You all Italian. What's your mother? Your mother's. Uh, she is French. That's right. And probably Irish. That's right. Yeah. 
So there's a little bit. There's, there's, yeah. There's a little Irish in everyone. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I think there is. <laughs> so it's not bad, you know. I don't know. I, I would change it a little bit. I feel like it could be more whiskey heavy. Yeah, and I even put a little extra in. Did you? It's a yeah. two and a half instead of two. Yeah. And then I did three ounces. I measured out three ounces of the uh, the ginger beer. It's just the ginger beer is so sweet. That's kind of the. Yeah. But it is refreshing, and as the weather's warming up, cold kind of citrusy drinks are just... Mm. Yeah, true. I have to say, uh, my appreciation for like alcohol-heavy cocktails has grown since yeah. doing this podcast. And like last night, I noticed like cocktails that have a sweet element, it masks the alcohol taste to a degree that I don't like. Yeah. I'd rather taste the alcohol. Heck yeah. Yeah. So. I guess that's why I like Negroni. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Three alcohols all mixed together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to hit the martinis hard here soon. We haven't done enough of those. Mm-hmm. But. Not too shabby. So, guys, this evening, I think this is going to be our last episode in. Uh, forever. The, yeah, forever. <laughs> uh No. Uh, for the ideology series, we just want to do a nice recap, review a few, few things, a couple things maybe we left out or, you know, wanted to dive into a little bit more, but I think overall, really, it's been a pretty good series, frankly. I mean, I just had a ton of fun with it. Yeah, I Definitely made me think a lot, especially like some of our the last few, like really pushed working through stuff and thinking about ideology that I never really even considered or you hear about it, but you don't really know how to think about it. if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like I never just like sat there and thought about anarchy. Right. And so it was very enjoyable. Yeah, totally. But do we want to just kind of dive into random stuff or do we have any semblance of order to this? What are yeah. you feeling? Yeah. Um. It's Friday. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Let's just do whatever we want. I've got some particular things I want to share, but happy to let you kick it off. You know, overall, I do think that the series was very, very good. Like I said, very beneficial for me. I hope it was beneficial for you. Oh, it was for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah I'm, great. I, and to your point from the beginning of this, it was a nice way to sort of, uh, I don't know, lay the groundwork or like set the stage for future yep. discussions. And I also think, I mean, I think had we done recorded this and gone through this little journey at really any point in the last few years it would have felt this way but it did feel like we were thinking about these things it felt very apt right like yes. with given world events it felt useful to it be did. thinking about these different yes frameworks. And it's going to be really useful for our next topic choice yeah totally um because it's just we need to understand these ideologies to really have a good conversation about Russia and Ukraine. So yeah, that's going to be really exciting. But I think something that um, Kat and I both realized through this, we've discussed this. I think we discussed this on air and also off air, but it really opened my eyes to realizing that the way we view politics as far as like the political spectrum goes is way too limiting. Like it's not just this linear field. Where, like, if you are a communist, you have to be X amount distance left of 
you know, uh, a progressive and then this much left of a liberal and this much left of, you know, a fascist. And, you know, right. It's not that simple at all. Yeah. Um, And it definitely left me feeling. uh, Like something seriously is um, lacking. In, in how we view the world, really. Totally. And I think it because that the status quo of our spectrum is flawed, I think it it leads us to misunderstand what these different ideologies are and what they represent mm-hmm. and how and like what actually fits into them. Like what what do we observe today? How to actually classify different like political actions right right like everybody labels everything as fascist right and exactly and i think there's some misconceptions i think so i think so and we we touched a little bit on this with the fascism and honestly the communism where we i think we fairly pointed out that they are kind of this weird floating ideology that hovers kind of above and below the spectrum that we're aware of and it can it can kind of shift and again you know, a lot of people have used various movements kind of in a, in quote, bastardized way or taken little bits and pieces of ideology that they like and m- melded it into something new. Uh, but it does kind of transcend the political spectrum, um, which is why you see things like, you know, far left groups calling right groups fascist, but like basically being fascist. Right. <laughs> because as we discussed, like fascism isn't like a left right thing it's a it's a motive thing right and it's a means thing yeah it's like exactly. how they go about attaining mm-hmm. power yep, and achieving yep. their ends it's tactics yeah. and tactics and, yep. and, yeah um honestly even goals as we've seen you know just to recap a lot of these goals are all the same it's about how you want to get there yeah or how you think people are mm-hmm. you know that kind of all ties into it like yeah who, how do you think people are and then depending on how you view people, like how do you make them do the things that you want? Right. And that's, you know, could be applied to anyone or any group. Right. Um, so that's important to realize, you know, it's not so simple as, Hey, those are, those guys over there are the baddies because they believe this and this and we're the goodies because we're the goodies. Uh, we're the good guys. Cause we believe, yeah. Why can't I say the baddies? You can't really say the goodies. Uh, anyway, I guess you can. <laughs> you got the baddies over there and the goodies over here, right? And you're like, well, we believe this and that makes us righteous and they believe that and that makes them evil. But right. then you can also be like, okay, but like you also share these things in common. Right. Yeah. I think the lack of understanding of what these different ideologies actually have in common is problematic. Mm-hmm. And again, our limited perspective of the spectrum is what fuels that misunderstanding. Yep. And I would say that I think maybe a more accurate spectrum, if we're just going like linear still, um, I know you have thoughts on the whole horseshoe idea, which I want to hear, but um, I would say like if we're, if we're sticking to sort of a linear idea, a more accurate spectrum, in my opinion, would be authoritarians of different flavors on one end Mm -hmm. and then free minded individuals on the other. Right. So really you have like fascists and communists that are kind of more like instead of being on a on a horizontal line they're like on a vertical line so you you have the authoritarian side yeah and you can float up and down on the spectrum mm. instead of left to right yeah that's a good cuz like the political spectrum that everyone or the political uh, axis that everyone's familiar with is like what you have like authoritarian right and authoritarian left 
Yeah. And like really that axis almost needs to be rotated 90 degrees and be like, okay, up and down on the left is like authoritarian. And then like on the right. Right. Yeah. Cause they're not necessarily different degrees. No, not of authoritarian. They're just different. Like I said, different flight, like different styles. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And so, uh, I think that the current framing really misrepresents the relationship between mm-hmm. communism and fascism in particular, sort of, as you just noted. Yep. Um, yeah, they're not on opposite ends of the spectrum. They both sit on the authoritarian end. So I think, yeah, I think we should think about it in terms of authoritarianism versus power that's decentralized amongst many mm-hmm. individuals. I would say from the ideologies that we discussed, uh, communism, fascism, and progressivism even are all on the authoritarian end of the spectrum. And on the other end, the pro-individual and I would say classical liberalism and anarchism yep. sit. Now, I would say classical liberalism and anarchism, if communism and fascism are vertical, yep. I think it's fair to say progressivism isn't also vertical. It's moving away from authoritarianism towards more individual autonomy, but it's still certainly, in my opinion, on the authoritarian end. Yes, I wouldn't exactly. put it vertically with the other two. I don't no, think that's fair. No. Um, and then I think on on the other individual end, anarchism is obviously more extreme than right. classical liberalism. So I think they would be horizontally yep. oriented. Um, yeah, and then I think sort of a common theme that I know you and I both kept noticing throughout this series uh, is that all of the authoritarian ideologies, including progressivism, uh, consistently sort of one of their main tenets or their main goals is to elevate the common good over the individual. Yes. Right. That's like a key piece of their thinking. And I would say, I'd say progressivism is closer to fascism than it is to liberalism. I don't think it's equivalent. No, but not I think equivalent, it sits but I think to it's it. closer for yeah. sure. Um, because it, it requires, frankly, just it requires a lot of control and manipulation. Yep. Yeah. To completely. achieve the desired goals. And it embraces that. Yes. Right. Like it, it rests in the assumption that individuals can't be left to make their own decisions and that like you need an expert class to orchestrate society. Right. But it's worth it because it's for the greater good. Right. Like, Hey, look, they know it's best. This is the future, right? This is, again, we mentioned with the fascism thing about like the futurists kind of got pulled into that movement Mm -hmm. and the futurists were more progressives. Right. Right. They're like, no, like technology and science and, all these beautiful things. We have things. these tools. Yes. We just need experts who know how to wield right, them to right. make, to but put they them believe, to you know, you believe that this tool is so powerful. It's like, well, those that don't see it, you know, they just don't see it yet. Right. Like, right. They don't know what's good for them. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. but once they see like the, the joys of whatever, like <laughs> they'll understand. Right. Yeah. Um, which is wild. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. So I think that's really, is there a giant walking or that was just a base? Could you feel that? Yeah. Okay. I was like, is there a giant in our house I right now? I like, like a giant walking uh, up the hallway. Have bust through my door? <laughs> like I am done with my slingshot. I'm not prepared. Okay. All right. That was someone just slapping some base driving up the street, I guess. 
Uh, what was I just going to say about? Oh, I just think it's useful. You know, I, I, I fully recognize that like our take on progressivism is sort of inflammatory. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's wrong. No, no, me neither. And, uh, <laughs> and I think it is, I think, uh, like given the level of government intervention into really like intimate corners of human life that we witnessed and experienced throughout COVID. I think it's an important time and potentially a pivotal time in not just the U.S.'s history, but the world's history and especially liberal democracies around the world where we're, I think, dangerously slipping towards more authoritarianism and getting sort of as we talk about that author that uh, mm -hmm. overton window is shifting we're all becoming more used to greater government intervention yes and giving up more of our individual freedom and rights over to the state for the benefit of the quote-unquote greater good and it's worth remembering like all of these things none of this stuff was advertised as we're gonna come the government's gonna move in and put people in gulags no mm -hmm. they talk about liberating workers right or like right. the progressives didn't talk about like sterilizing untouchable people like they did but they didn't market it that way to the masses right like they exactly. talked about creating like a more equitable society with like better like wages and mm -hmm. you know less grift and whatever else so and part of that comes with the territory of as we've mentioned before the the complexity of people makes it very difficult to engineer them in a certain way. Right. And right. so you can try and use reason in quote reasonable measures to to get what you want, like equity among people. But like it the trend seems to be that you always hit a ceiling. Mm. And the only way to get through it is to break it. Right. And that means you start doing some crazy stuff. Right. And by the time you hit the ceiling You've invested a ton. Mm -hmm. You got a ton of people involved. Yep. You got a full-fledged operation, like a machine going, and it's hard to it's stop. Like, oh, man, we've we've done all this great stuff. Yeah. And, like, you know, with the whole sterilization, like, we've done all this great work to, you know, improve fitness and, like, all this other stuff. And you hit a road, and then you're like, ah, but it's, like, not quite what we want. Right. Like, and we don't have, well, obviously... I don't believe this, right? But we don't have any other options. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, good night. Okay. All right. Totally. Yeah. And I think another key piece of that is creating an enemy in mm -hmm. the public, right? And getting people, like, eventually you have to to continue to, to get buy-in and maintain legitimacy. Like, often these regimes resort to creating a villain or an enemy within the nation yeah that that everyone can feel comfortable exploiting because they are the enemy of the greater good yes and we saw that same parallel with covid right um so i i don't mean to be hyperbolic and i don't mean to be like overstating the threat but there's enough of these similar themes what is it? History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Mark Twain said that. Yeah, something like that. There's just there's some rhyming happening that I mm -hmm. think is worth paying attention to. And 
hopefully this series is something that can be like, as you said, for us, at least I know it was illuminating and I think will help us kind of perceive where there's that slippery slope in the future. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which I think is very important. And, you know, going back to the progressivism is closer to fascism, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of seems to be the trend with both, you know, the, the democratic and the, and the Republic side of it is that they are kind of on a horizontal spectrum with each other. Oh. And they can slide towards authoritarianism. Both oh, of yeah, them. Yeah, I like this. Both of them can slide left towards authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. And the problem is. And by left, we're not just saying. No, no. Politically. No, left. no. But like in this example, like. Right. This little yeah. spectrum we created. And I think the problem is, is, as we've mentioned before, like you can get out of it until you fall too far. And if you fall too far left, you're now in that horizontal authoritarian channel. Yeah, right. And to get kicked out is, as we said before, it takes blood. Right, right, right. I, I don't think ever there's been an, an alternative solution. No, because, <laughs> because you have to, because, yeah, how do you claw back power? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's messy. So like both, you know, the you know, the left and right now talking about like the political spectrum as we know it today, Republicans and Democrats, like you can go then right towards the liberalism and libertarianism and the and the individual liberties pool. Mm-hmm. And at that point it almost like is like an arrowhead, right? And you can move closer and closer. And at some point as you become more, you know, uh, freedom oriented, you actually kind of come to this point where now you actually have a lot in common and you're now on this individual Hmm. freedom plane. Hmm. So maybe it's like a sideways triangle. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I guess there is more, there are more flavors of authoritarianism Mm -hmm. than there are of individual Liberty. Is that sort of what you're describing? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. And, And because there's less variation there, you kind of are forced to, it might oscillate. Although then we ha- we have to acknowledge yep. that within the goofy anarchist space, there is there's a little bit of a vertical there, right? With mm-hmm. the economically illiterate uh, right. left anarchists, and then the overly romantic anarcho capitalists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how I describe. So maybe it. what we're saying is that like it's like you can't <laughs> graph this. It's like a spider web. It really is a mess. It really is a mess. Because <laughs> you really could. You can kind of link everything to each other, and yeah, you're like, well, you know, the anarcho communists are like this weird anomaly and you're like where do you put that on i just want to kick them off the spectrum because it's like what you none of it makes sense and that's and that's (laughs) again but that is kind of what we're getting at it's like (laughs) you can't really view it like that yeah because you're looking at it one dimensionally right 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 yes but like you have the element of humanity and the complexities and it it is like this weird three at least 3d yeah and and maybe even 4d Mm. space where like you know looking at it from one way you see these two points that are really far away and you change your perspective looking at this 4D structure from another side and you're like, oh, wait, no, they're like almost touching. Right. And so depending on how you rotate this, this graph, like you're going to see it differently. Um, hmm. I like that. Do you want to describe the horseshoe? Yeah. So horseshoe theory of 
um, what is it called? The horseshoe theory of politics or something. Something. I, I don't think it's particularly old um, theory. Maybe the eighties, I want to say, hmm. but basically the idea being that like the political, the, the, the horizontal, you know, straight line of politics left and right is more complex and that it is more like a horseshoe and even more like almost an enclosed circle where you have, you know, the center right at the bottom of this horseshoe and you can kind of go left and right. And as you go, you go right, you, you get more authoritarian as you get towards the top of this horseshoe. Mm. And at some point at the very top, you have these two authoritarian groups that are like almost touching. Right. They're almost the same. Right. Yeah. But that, like not quite. Yeah. The idea being. But they share more in common than they don't. Right. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. That I think that's a good that's a good illustration for sort of this broader theme mm-hmm. of it being of noting the similarities of authoritarianism, yeah. the tendencies on both yeah. ends of the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, and honestly, I, I didn't look into it enough to know, like, what do people think of it? Like, does anyone consider it a valid theory of, you know, politics? But it just seems to kind of make sense. Yeah. Especially after this multiple conversations we've had. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, you guys are kind of the same. Yeah. Maybe I've been spending just too much time listening to the intellectual dark web, but <laughs> I feel like I feel like people get it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and I feel like the only people who don't are Yeah, I'm gonna sound like a total I don't even know, but like are the normies. That are just right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's a political narrative that has uh benefited in terms of power and money by depicting this binary choice between left and right. And they are going to continue to propagate that Mm -hmm. because as, because they benefited from it. And yeah, so I guess, which is interesting too. And once you can kind of, you know, peel this all apart and kind of step away from it a little bit, you get into the situation where you become kind of politically homeless or, ideologically homeless yeah and it's you know you get stuff like where you know i don't want to be a great cynic but i'm looking and i'm like the left and the right are the same Mm -hmm. they have different values like biden people are the same as trump people like trump is the same as biden i mean and like neither side is going to be willing to admit that right no they won't they won't I and mean, that's what like the Alex Joneses of the world had been saying for a long time. Like right. big picture, deficits keep growing, wars keep being started, taxes keep going up. Yep. There's no fucking difference. Right. You know, we all are distracted by like people won't like this, but frankly, kind of unimportant superficial debates about like abortion or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. these like hot button cultural yeah. things. Abortion, gun control. Right. You know, and not to say that, you know, those things don't matter. Of course they do. But in, like, the big scheme of what impacts, like, the future of the nation and, like, our ability to survive and, like, individuals' ability to, like, thrive and be successful, like, those are... Maybe the gun rights one is doesn't fall right into that. But anyway, I feel like right. we get distracted by these hot-button political debates and we ignore the more consequential things that from 
as we oscillate between parties, those things don't ever change. The the wars, the spending, right? The taxes. Right, exactly. Yeah. So which feed into a lot of those lower tier issues, like the things like taxation and you know, making it more difficult for people to work and all of these things that we we talk about all the time, like that all then hinders people in being able to even take care of those things in their community, like those other, you know, those mm. other topics. Yeah, true. true. It's like you kind of need to start bigger with the whole, like, how do we get people more free in general? Yeah. And then let them hash out within communities these, you know, like you said, not necessarily, but like, in quote, lower tier issues. Yeah. Because, like, frankly, an abortion law, like, in one city probably shouldn't be the same as another city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what the, the United States is about, right? Yeah. It like should you, reflect the people that yeah. live there under mm-hmm. those laws. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Which I think is a, is a hard thing to understand for a lot of people. Right. Well, and again, because we're not led to think that way. Right. And so it's, I, and I get that. They're like, hey, this is whatever the argument is. Like, that's horrible, authoritarian, you know, fascist behavior to, like, not allow abortions. Like, maybe don't, like, that city maybe wants to, in quote, be less free. At, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's right. really hard to understand. Yeah. And even for me, like looking at, you know, a more progressive city, I'm like, why would they like hand out needles to people and like, you know, whatever it is. Right. Like, I don't get that. That's stupid. And I get worked up about it. But I'm like, well, I don't live there. <laughs> right. Which I don't mean that in like a negative way. No, but it's no, like, no. But you're I'm right. I'm not a voter there. Like, yeah, they're doing what they want to do. Totally. And it's sad sometimes. Yeah. You can look at something and be like, it's not working. Right. But like, maybe that's okay. Totally. And uh, I think I'd rather have that sort of um, experimentation happen on like more increasingly localized levels. Mm -hmm. We can figure out whether needle exchanges actually help reduce, you know, Mm -hmm. the spread of disease or if it just like encourages more drug use, you know, or whatever. And it can be an experiment. What bothers me is when these things start to make their way up to the federal level. Right. Right. Um, And yeah, I think just to, Ultimately, state power grows under both Democrats and Republicans, and therefore, yeah. they're a hell of a lot more similar than we're led to believe. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, totally agree with that. So, again, it's easy to point fingers and see uh, the other side of the aisle as the enemy, but it's not usually your neighbor that's the problem. Right. But, uh, yeah, so I think that's a good little recap there um just in general but what do you feel like i mean i know you said you had some thoughts and you know what do you feel like maybe we've missed the opportunity to say in some of those other episodes if any we're gonna take a quick break then we'll be back to our conversation if you like what you're hearing Help spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and one or two-sentence review on your favorite streaming platform. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. Thanks to the Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, Author's Intent.
there's just there's just so much there's just so much that's different it's the same story in essence it's like they boiled it down and they made a LaCroix a Beauty and the Beast LaCroix like they the story is still somewhat present in the movies but you're not gonna get the full flavor of it unless you read it And now, back to our conversation. I kind of have like a list of like mm-hmm. free-floating random thoughts. So maybe I'll just like hey, share let's, let's just do start it. sharing yeah. some of them. Okay. So one is that, and I guess this is a broader theme. Mm-hmm. I think trying to make the world how you want it to be through force and coercion is, I believe, literally always and everywhere bad. Yep. Again, even if it's done in the name of a noble end, it just it's that scale issue, right? Well, one, I think personally, like, I don't think any end, I think I'm willing to go so far as to say, I don't think any end is, is worth or justifies violating somebody's individual autonomy. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of extreme, but I think that's, I think that's where I'm evolving to. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Even setting that aside on the scalable issue, I just, I don't think it has ever been executed in a clean way. Right. Like it's, it's just, it's too complicated to try to force a worldview on a large populace. A hundred percent. Because you cannot get full buy-in. So then that means you're forcing it. You can't because people are interesting. Yeah. And and diverse. And and diverse. Right. And, you know, regionally they're diverse. And the same thing happens like in small countries, there's like super wildly diverse people and like you know even within the united states like that still holds true right like someone from louisiana is going to be wildly different than someone from you know appalachia and is going to be wildly different than from north dakota Mm -hmm. like in so many different ways yeah and there's a lot of common ground there the same thing is true in other countries but like time and time again throughout history I mean, I've just been going through a, a biography about Alexander the Great, and like this is the same thing that happened with these great empires. You start taking on all these people, you start forcing, you know, the Mesopotamian ideology on like the Persians, mm-hmm. and fill in the blank. And it's like they're just wildly different, and you can use force, and you can use violence, and you know, you can use, in some senses, like sometimes they use incentives, and it just it doesn't work. Yeah, and they always tend to crumble. Totally. Because you just can't control that many people. Right. That tightly. Right. And that's the thing, that tightly. Yeah. Right. Completely. And and I think the other folly in that is you miss out. We've said this multiple times. Nobody has a monopoly on truth or knowledge, mm-hmm. right, or information. So the, the more centralized decision-making becomes the less efficient it becomes. And so when you when you don't have like diverse experimentation within like individual communities doing their own thing and yeah. figuring out how to solve their own problems, when you miss out on that experimentation, which means you miss out on finding what works yep. faster. Right. Well, and this is a great example with the COVID thing. Like yeah. getting such centralized control over the problem ended up working so poorly which we've mentioned before 
because of how wildly diverse the United States is. Yeah. Like we've said it before, like what works in New York isn't going to work in even a similarly sized city. Yeah. On the West coast. Right. right. Totally. Right. Or a big city in the South. Yeah. Versus, you know, even like South Dakota to Montana. Mm-hmm. Like we have different climates. We have different densities. We, I mean, all of these numbers of, of things that could lead to that. Like, right. You know, it just, it, it can't work. Yeah. That's when what you, was yeah. scary at the beginning of COVID. There were a ton of people who were calling for like, we just need like a f- the federal authorities to step mm-hmm. in and like overrule state autonomy and make just like a blanket lockdown measure, you know? And, and thank God that we have a system where that couldn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like, we with the different states experimentation we learned what worked you know it's like right. new york like oh yeah don't send covid positive patients back into nursing homes you kill a bunch of people you right. know right like right and to your point every all the different like there are so many different diverse uh qualities it's we live in a massive country i mean yeah. i kind of think i don't know i think that might even be our undoing at some point cuz it's mm-hmm. to your, it's almost unruly because it's so right such a massive yeah if again i think there's great hope for restoring more power to the states because that kind of quenches that problem yeah right yeah you're not talking about one one small party trying to control you know a, a massive population yeah you know shrink it down a little bit so the again as we talked about in the anarchy it's like it's all about scaling and the more and more we talk about this and understanding anarchy and how people work, it's like we, we keep working in the opposite direction. And the best thing you can do is to start to actually close those circles in and actually make those like spheres of rule smaller and smaller mm-hmm. because it's easier to cooperate. It's easier to come to agreements. It's easier to like keep peace among people. Yeah. And that's how you give more power to people. Yes. Is by having it centralized or decentralized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I feel like the progressive party of America today is kind of learning. Well, I shouldn't say they're learning the lesson, but this lesson is unfolding for them. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, that like they do not represent a majority of the country at all. Um, and they found themselves in a position of power and influence and they're realizing that like the country, it's, it's really hard to impose your worldview on a nation as large and diverse as ours. Right. Which as we talked about before, especially with like the most extreme of either side, as far as like viewpoints go, like it's not just like half the country is opposed to it. It's like, oh no, this is like a minority group of like less than 10 percent right and like if you really get down to it it's like yeah it's like 80 percent of the country is actually like not into it right right and that gets or i mean that's that leads to horrible things yeah if they can maintain yeah, power exactly yeah it totally leads to horrible things i had two quotes i wanted to share oh yes please um one is from my fave thomas soul ah, what a um, beautiful sweet man anything he has written is worth reading i haven't read nearly enough of his stuff but like i mentioned before because his stuff is like thick 
His, <laughs> I know his basic economics is like it's like I know he's I he's like know, pretty old, but pages, he's pretty pages. old. But I'm like, have you written any children's books? Like maybe you know I could start with like a starter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yeah, he's wild. I yeah. watched a documentary about him a while ago, like a year ago or so, and he uh, just an incredible man who came from very humble beginnings, and I think the Bronx in New York, um, and. Uh, clearly was like exceptionally bright but he uh really made his own way um against some challenging odds but he uh i forget how many books it was but he he was writing like dozens and dozens of books a year it's at the peak of his thing yeah and he's still alive he just a few i don't know how many years ago probably a decade ago by now uh stepped out of like public life and i think he just like is into photography like nature photography or something. I think he basically was just like, I'm tapping out. I mean, he's he gave that, the world enough. That's for sure. Volumes, and that's actually a really nice thing. Because Isn't you it? see a lot of these guys that were very influential. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get old. Yeah. And then they stay with it. And yeah. And you're like, you can tell they're tired and it's affecting their work. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they kind of go like bonko crazy. Right. It's like, no, you know what? I worked hard and like, I just want to be a photographer now. Yeah. Like that speaks volumes to just like the wisdom that he has. Right. I think it also kind of speaks to, I have ma- major respect for him for doing that. And mm-hmm. I, there's also a part of me that's like, man, was he just like so fed up with us and the world that he was yeah. like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like you're a lost cause. I'm going to just go enjoy Although the beautiful things. I, yeah. But <laughs> what I have heard from him and have read is like, he, I don't think he was, he was a cynical man. But I, th- I don't. Yeah. But I don't. Think Probably he, not. But I don't, he definitely wasn't afraid to lay out the law or the truth. No. Yeah. He went toe to toe with everybody, oh, yeah. and he didn't fit into anybody's. He's African American, so right. like he didn't. The left has always really hated him because he hasn't fit into their like neat mm-hmm. little identity. Yeah. Politics box, Pl- but they've called him plenty of very mean and nasty things. Yes, very racist things. Yes, all the um, time. So anyway, one of my favorite and one of his most famous quotes is. Uh, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. Mm-hmm. That's a, just a partial quote, but that's the gist of it. There are only solution. There are no solutions, only trade-offs. So I think when we talk about these dis- different systems for organizing society, we have to keep in mind that utopia is not an option, and mm-hmm. that is what authoritarians are always selling. They're selling utopia. Yep. And everyone needs to just be aware of the fact that, like. They're selling their snake oil salesman. Utopia isn't a thing. No one can ever achieve it. There is no perfect solution. Literally, there is no, there is never really a solution to anything. Right. Life is about making choices between trade-offs. And that's another thing that like politicians sell solutions. Nobody ever levels with, you know, their voter base and say like, well, you know. That's we can't it, actually fix this problem, right. but we can lessen it. It's going to mean we have to sacrifice here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what do we value more? This is our rational choice. Nobody ever presents that argument. Never. They say like, this guy's evil. I'm good. And I have the solution. Give me power and I'll make that solution happen. Right. And it always fails. And that's why you get both spectrums getting so upset at like the in quote grifters like that just are in Senate or Congress and are like, Okay, yeah, we probably can have universal health care in the United States. Okay, but like we have to talk about how we're going to get there. You know what I mean? It's like 
No one. It's like well, and universal health care. It's one person's like, okay, we probably can make that happen, but like we have to pay for it. Right. Exactly. And it's so like, well, what does how? that mean? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and then that, and then you get into the trade offs. Yeah. And no one wants to to you know reveal that. Yeah. Politicians are constantly masking the costs of their promises and what yeah. it really requires to to achieve whatever they're claiming they're going to achieve. Um, so that is just, I think, an important thing to keep in mind. Um, and then the other quote is from a gentleman that I've discovered through Twitter. And maybe I should have known him before, but I didn't. I don't really know anything about him. I need to like research him. He's an economist and a professor, I believe, per P-E-R Byland. B-Y-L-U-N-D is his name. I shared a couple of his tweets on Whiskey Bench's mm-hmm. uh, profiles. He's just fucking great. I like him a lot. He just said he he really just makes these like economically succinct, poignant points regularly that mm-hmm. I think are fantastic. But anyway, one that he said that we shared on Whiskey Bench's social media was, uh, quote, the solution to the problem of power is not to centralize and monopolize it. And that really, mm-hmm. I don't know, it it hit home for me. So I think especially given, you know, maybe the rights frustration with COVID or, you know, the BLM's movement's frustration with, with you know, elements of systemic racism or police abuse, right? Mm-hmm. Like both the left and the right have their boogeyman. And their concerns and frustrations with with government power. But both only argue about taking that power from the bad guy and giving it to them. Neither the left or the right in America today talk about dissolving that power. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think if we're frustrated with like perceived corruption and we think one party has too much power, the answer isn't to shift that power to the other group. The answer is to decentralize the power and to disperse it amongst as many people as possible. Yes. The problem, though, well, and then this is another common refrain, is like, if the government didn't have as much power as it does, it wouldn't matter who's in charge. It wouldn't matter who's the president if, like, the executive didn't have as much power as he Mm -hmm. has. But, naturally, given this is the whiskey bench, the problem with that approach is it requires personal responsibility yes and i don't think a lot of people want that no so it's hard yeah i just got on uh per violence page oh okay he he already had some bangers yeah just just (laughs) pinned real quick read them out (laughs) here's his number one pinned one from 2015 what causes poverty nothing it's the original state the default and the starting point the real question is what causes prosperity amen yeah that's a that's an anarcho-capitalist yeah, take. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. But going back to the the whole idea of entrenching powers and things like that, you know, and, and talking about how no one left or right talks about kind of dissolving that, mm-hmm. and maybe that's the problem. Yeah. But so you have the left and the right that, honestly, depending on who is in power, is just like complaining about what the other side has done and how they've ruined everything, mm-hmm. and now we have to fix it. And this has been going on, you know, people go back as far as like, obviously before, you know, civil rights. So, I mean, after World War II, 
like 50s on, like everything's been downhill and it's both sides. It's like everything's been downhill. Both sides. And you're like, well, what's the problem then? Like, because the system's been working pretty similarly since like the late 50s and all of these, you know, modern institutions that we're aware of were implemented, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you also have different sects of the uh, political aisle that talk about how like so-and-so is entrenched, you know, institutional this, institutionalized racism, institutionalized sexism. But like their whole platform is just building up and entrenching the power that those institutes have. Right. So if it's institutional, you know, institutionally rooted corruption or evil. Yeah. Why are you empowering these institutions? Right. Giving them more power. Right. The answer is never to take to. And and the BLM, BLM, like the Black Lives Matter movement, does use sort of like the dismantle language, mm-hmm. right? But they don't actually talk about like dismantling the sources of power. They talk about like ultimately just maintaining that same level of power, but just changing who and who has the power and what the institution looks like. Yes. But it's the same level of concentrated power and perhaps even more concentrated Mm -hmm. than what we see today. And I think that's just this fundamental, in my view, misunderstanding of like, well, one, what enables people to flourish. Yeah. And two, they don't, they being both people on the left and the right that fall into this trap, they don't realize that like it is, it's the concentrated power that's corrupting. It almost doesn't even matter who's in charge. If no, they have that much power, yeah. it is a problem. It doesn't matter what your ideology is. As we noted, right? Like yeah. You can be a communist. You can be a fascist. You can be a Nazi. You can be a progressive. If you, if you are operating in a system where like there's that much power and control over individuals' lives, no matter what policy you're trying to put in place that you think is good mm-hmm. it is impossible to impose on a large group of people without there being casualties of some kind yes. right and that snowballs and then there's a whole host of unforeseen consequences right i guess it's cliche but like power corrupts right yep, yep. and it's kind of shocking to me that there isn't i'm always saying like when's there gonna be this libertarian moment but you'd think that how frustrated people are with with how inept the government is or how bigger deficits are, how abusive police can be. Why aren't we turning to empowering individuals like that to me shouldn't be. And it's interesting. We'll have to dive into this more at a later date when we both have more time to think about it. But like there is, I'm seeing just like in the language from the left these days, this there's, there's kind of a theme emerging of, villainizing the idea of the individual mm-hmm. as being like selfish or sort of like a backwards thinking or Honestly, like a not yes. mo- it's not modern yes exactly or like imagine valuing or they say it's selfish like yeah. imagine valuing your freedoms over like you know whatever of someone else yeah it's presented it's as like, kind of this like dumb selfish right. backwards primitive thinking well one that's obviously terrifying to me right that's right. like what are we being primed for <laughs> yeah exactly um 
I think I've just lost my train of thought. But anyway, yeah, I think it's uh, it's something to be aware of. And I and you would think that that oh, this is what I was gonna say. You'd think that like the language empower individuals would be something that people from every walk of life could rally around. And the thing is, because it 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 narrows in enough, but not too far, that you don't get caught up in a lot of the problems we're having right now, which is this identity politics game. And it's not, it doesn't matter who you are, like the individual, and it stops at that. Mm-hmm. And that's great, because like we've mentioned, like there's wonderful differences among various people yeah right but like if you value the individual all of that other stuff comes naturally after and i have to consistently say i value the individual what does that mean it stops there i have to be like i value the individual and here's the things that i think individuals should be able to do and the things that i want to make sure that those people can do and then whoever that individual happens to be Okay. But if you get too focused in, you get into this weird stuff. If you get too focused in on the individual? Too, if you get too focused in to like the in-group, I guess, like with the identity politics argument. Like, okay, like here are some people that don't have, in my opinion, as much freedom as this other group of people. So like now we have to do something kind of extreme to like get the levels equal, right? Hmm. At least this is how I'm perceiving it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to back up. It's not that specific. Like, Are you saying that? Well, I think different levels of freedom would be a problem that should be addressed. Well, yeah, but, I know. I know. But do you mean like individuals not like, are you referring more to like the equity question and the people not question. having like the yes, same exactly. outcomes? Right. Right. And then trying to like, yeah, make up for that by yeah. disenfranchising certain groups yes, to exactly. ensure that somehow like the outcome is equal. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally problematic. And exactly. that yeah, you're right. And that is where people are like you're looking at you're way too narrowly focused looking at results instead of looking at the bigger spectrum of like people have yep. different skills and interests yes. and desires. So and- then how do you create a system where like everyone has the freedom to like do what they're good at? Right. And that would help a lot, right? Instead of like right. We need more, you know, uh, I don't want to make an inappropriate joke here, but like we need more X amount like homeless, you know, whatever engineers. Oh. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> filling quotas and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like, yeah, right. The world would be much better if a person was able to do the thing that they love and they're good at instead of being like, let's push people to become automotive engineers because like yeah we need more whatever like totally and well and this is where the progressive social engineering comes in right where it's like no us the experts that are virtuous yeah we know what would be equitable and fair and ideal and we're going to use our policy levers to like try to manipulate people's behavior Mm -hmm. into getting what we think is the ideal end result What did Kamala Harris say? Equity means we all wind up in the same place. In a nameless grave. (laughs) It's like, wait a second. Wait, what? Yeah. 
what if we don't want to wind up in the same place? Yeah. You know, like that's okay. And this is something too. And again, <laughs> this is like something that I've really narrowed in on. And like, again, I, I want to try and understand, but I, I can't understand the whole quota thing. Like I look at something, you know, they're like women are underrepresented in, you know, quantum physics. Like why? Cause that doesn't necessarily matter. No, it doesn't. Because there's plenty of fields that women are, in quote, overrepresented in. Right. Like, I wouldn't care if there was a group or, like, a job that, like, literally only had one, whatever, one nationality. Mm-hmm. Like, people have to realize, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. If there's a barrier to entry that's yes, discriminatory, exactly. that's a problem. But, like, what is drawing people to that? Like, yeah. are, there, are there differences among various cultures? Like, some cultures, because of their values and what they believe, like probably are better at and tend towards something else. Right. Right. And like you want to expose people and they should have the ability to become quantum physics. Yeah. Like. Yeah, totally. Maybe you're forcing it a little too hard. Yeah, completely. Agree. That's where. uh, I don't know. This might be. Not the best example. (laughs) Why am I saying it? I'm just gonna say it. Um, At the height of all the of of the BLM sort of uproar over the last whenever that was. God, life is a blur. Don't you feel like it's still 2019? I have no idea. (laughs) People are saying that I was like like, two years ago, where I was talking to a buddy and I was like, two years ago. It's crazy. I had so much fun last year, like visiting, and they're like, "Uh, you came like two and a half years ago," and I was like. (laughs) Oh. Oh shit. Okay. All <laughs> yeah. right. 21 was just yeah. a blur, but anyway, um but at like sort of the height of that and you know, every corporation and industry was having these conversations, which I think to some degree is beneficial, but a lot of it just felt like this forced corporate bullshit of like this is a trend and we need to be a part of it and we don't mm-hmm. want to get like canceled by a twitter mob so we better make sure we're like preempting that yep. it felt really shallow and disingenuous and the outdoor industry also did that and like i work in the conservation space right and so there were all of these conversations popping up about like equity in the outdoors and equity in outdoor recreation and on public lands and i think there are valid concerns and it's worth having a conversation about the ways in which you know like certainly displacing native american populations off of public lands and to build you know our national Mm -hmm. parks is like that's an important conversation that needs to be had right um or other concerns about there being like i don't know discriminatory practices that kind of set a tone kept certain minority groups off of like out of these sports or whatever but then to a large degree frankly I found the conversation to be a bit insufferable mm-hmm. when you would get, I'm just going to lay it out, when you would get a bunch of like middle to upper class white liberals who like to go to public lands and ride mountain bikes trying to, I don't know, atone for their whiteness by talking about how it's a problem that there aren't more like black and Hispanic and whatever else minority group uh, out mountain biking with them and i just wanted to like 
you know, I didn't, I didn't have a foyer, you know, foray. What's the word I'm looking for? I didn't have an opportunity to yeah, be yeah. a part of those conversations, but I just would hear them and I would want to scream like, what if there are just different cultures with different values and not everyone wants to fucking like wear spandex and ride a mountain bike? You know, yeah. like maybe that is just a cultural difference. Like, again, historical things that are real that need to be addressed. Yes. Cultural trends that are a result of individual choice mm-hmm. is not a problem. Yeah. You know, and like not everybody is going to want to do your like. I don't know, like wealthy little yuppie white sport, like fucking get over it. I don't know. Like it just felt like this self aggrandizing. Like, I don't know. It was just it bothered me. And I'm not, you know, I'm white, so I don't know what other groups felt hearing that. But I am. I would guess that some people would be insulted by that, too. Yeah. Right. But I guess I I if they're not making the right choices, like, well, that's just I hear those conversations and I think like, why? Like someone that is not represented in the outdoors, like why are they not going outdoors? Is it because outdoor gear is super expensive? Okay, <laughs> that's well that's prob- not going to change. That's probably the biggest barrier, to be honest. But then, like the other thing is like, <laughs> like if someone wants to go mountain biking, like wouldn't they be like, hey, I'd like to go they mountain can. biking? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, I just like don't people. Right. Yeah, I, I just don't get those. Are like. Right. White people underrepresented in certain cultural practices throughout the country. Sure. Do we need to have a policy in place to like force that? No. You know what I mean? Like it just I think to a degree it just becomes this again hyper focused in on the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's a disservice to everybody. Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. That was a tangent, down. totally, totally. <laughs> but it just kind of all goes into the the whole uh, controlling people and trying to yeah. manipulate them. And right, whereas like, yeah, it is great. Like people should have the the freedom to like go mountain bike whenever they want. But right, like you know, or do something totally different. Yeah, that's exactly. not mountain biking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I have something positive, but if we have more of this to yeah, go yeah, we yeah. can and then maybe we could close with the positive thing no or? i don't really have anything like the, okay. the only other thing that i that i would mention because this is pertinent to like our discussions mm-hmm. with like the whole like communists and the fascists and things like that like especially because i always go hard on antifa because <laughs> i yeah. have to right yeah I feel morally obligated to everyone that calls antifa fascist is then like mocked by anyone that is pro Antifa as right. like you stupid idiots. They're called anti, they're called anti-fascists. <laughs> that means it's impossible for them to be fascist. And you're like, after all of the reading that we've done and the discussion, it's like, you can say you're anti-fascist, but if you're going to use fascist tactics and fear for your political gain, to coerce and manipulate people, mm-hmm. you're a hypocrite and you're a fascist. Right. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I'm anti-fascist because I'm going to call out anyone that's fascist. Right. And because you're like an anarchist. Right. I mean, I shouldn't give you that label, but. Yeah, I'll take it. You're flirting with yeah, the Yeah, I'm anarch- flirting. <laughs> I like it. I see him over there on the other side of the dance floor. 
Yeah. I'm like, ooh, do I have the courage to go over there and like, like ask him to tango? <laughs> oh, it's a nice little, it's a dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cool. Well, then I guess my one little positive thing to note for yeah. the U.S. specifically is that our sort of fundamental institutions like separate branches of power representative government coupled with like a republic style well our senate is republican Mm -hmm. style right having the constitution as a check is sort of a republic it is an element of a republic um to prevent mob rule right pure democracies mob rule so all these checks that we have against that the separation of powers an independent judiciary um our constitutional rights, all of these fundamental things that were so unique in America's formation, despite all of our flaws, those things have held. And they are so important to hold on to because those are the only things that are limiting state authority and guaranteeing any semblance of individual autonomy. If any one of those starts to falter, the whole thing will fall in on itself. It truly and the state will continue to grow and individual freedom will be diminished. So that's where like talk about, you know, packing the Supreme Court or even doing term limits on the Supreme Court, like instantly politicizes it. Right. And changes the nature of it. And it's no longer totally separate. Right. Mm-hmm. Or doing away, you know, even Senate rules like the filibuster, which like protect the minority party in, in the Senate, like all of these things are really important to keep in place because you can have a representative government in, or you can have, you know, pure democracy is not, I think is actually a terrifying prospect because that's a really easy way to have one party have like total control. And the party that is willing to do whatever it takes to get that control. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. It's the whole power vacuum issue. Right. The nastiest, meanest, cruelest group is going to take that. Right, right. Always. Right. So, you know, unfortunately, I think both ends, more so Democrats today, but both ends kind of flirt with like amending and manipulating these institutions for their own short term political gain. And I think everybody across the political spectrum or four-dimensional sphere whatever it is Mm -hmm. everybody i think needs to really understand and value and appreciate and truly safeguard these fundamental institutions because they're totally unique they're incredible they're simple but incredible um and without them i think we would be uh we wouldn't have any real autonomy yeah so so thank god we have them yeah and they've been resilient you know, the U.S. has been through some tough shit and they've been resilient. So. True. True. And, you know, I, I, I hark on stuff a lot and I've been more critical lately. But, like, you also have to have some perspective. Like, there are other places around the world that have some wild stuff going on and yeah. they don't have systems that even have a chance of protecting the people from it. Right. And I see it as maybe a bit more fragile. Um, but, like, I, I do realize that they're there. And, like, my hope is that they're working properly Mm -hmm. but like you know i think things can be worked around and i think it can be manipulated but overall it's like at least it's there and like 
It's something. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that something. Right. And getting that something takes some sort of revolution. Is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we'll touch upon this when we dive into the Ukraine Russia conflict, but uh, in history, but yep. like that's, you know, both of those nations and their stories are an example of what happens when you don't have those institutions. Exactly. And yeah. I think this, again, I'm so thankful that we really, you know, by happenstance, although strictly speaking, maybe there is no uh, happenstance, but, you know, understanding some of these ideologies and realizing that it's very complicated, I think really helps approach conflict like this, where we're going to have to talk about some uncomfortable things when it comes to like understanding Russia and their motives and their history and their history of, you know, being Soviet and their authoritarian nature, but then also looking at Ukraine and understanding like where it's going, where it's been, addressing things like neo-Nazis in the country, like understanding what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for you know, the aftermath, like if you have some authoritarian groups in your country and now there is a power vacuum, all these things we can now mm-hmm. explore and hopefully, think, yeah. at least I, th- I think if this had happened before all these conversations, I would have been very lost trying to yeah, really totally. grasp it properly. Totally. Yeah, this has been, yeah, life unfolds yeah. with a purpose yes. and we're where we need to be in our little podcast. Our little series. podcast world. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, as always, thank you for listening. We've got tons of awesome stuff coming up. Um, hop on either Twitter or Instagram if you want to hang out with us. Yeah. Kat's been killing it with all sorts of awesome posts. <laughs> fun stuff. <laughs> kind of some. She's been flirting with stuff I think I'm into. Get a little spicy. Yeah. She's posting some like anarchy stuff. and <laughs> She even like, you know, put up a couple of my tweets up there. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to tweet more. I'm like, I want to be represented. I like your tweets. Oh, yeah. thanks. Thank yeah, you. Keep thank tweeting you. and we'll keep uh, yeah, exactly. throwing them out there. You know, we also, <laughs> if you're not into that, but you just want a good drink, we got drink pictures up there. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, Recipes. Yeah. What do we still have? I mean, the survey is still going. The survey is still going. So, yeah, if you are a regular listener or if you're just listening for the first time, we are trying to get more information about our audience. Mm-hmm. So if you would take three minutes of your time to fill out this survey, the link can be found uh, in our bio on Instagram mm-hmm. and then also on the Highline Network. But Yeah, and there's a link in our show notes to the website. Yes, right. So right, you can right, hop right. on, you can check out. We, we have stickers you can buy. We have some coffee sick coffee that you can buy mm-hmm. that is so good yeah um and if you take the survey we'll give you a free sticker yes three minutes you get a sticker sent to you which is awesome and i'd be a little hurt if you didn't pick the whiskey bench sticker right. but like all of the show stickers are super cool yeah so pick your favorite right but like it, it's us it's us <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you for listening Until next time. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.
my name is Dixie Lee Henning, and this is Author's Intent. You know how you have friends, and sometimes those friends are like, hey, have you seen this movie? And then you're like, well, I, I think the book's better. And then you guys get into an argument, and then you stop being friends because of their totally wrong opinions. Well, I liked that feeling so much that I decided to make a podcast about it. So I put in the work, I read the books, I watch the movies, and I tell you the differences between the two, and you know, you can still be friends with that, with that friend who thinks that the Hobbit movies are good. They're not, they're not good, but you can stay friends. I'm essentially a mediator in the friend space, you know? I'm here so that you can stay friends with those people despite their horrible opinions about books and movies. So, you're welcome. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.